Hello and welcome to I'm From the Internet, a podcast about something awful, the goons, and their consequences. I'm Jay Brandstetter, internet historian, and and normally my co-host Winslow Dumain, a Chicago-area stand-up as well as an artist and game designer, would be here with me today. But unfortunately, since our producer is on vacation this week, we are not going to be having a regular episode. Instead, I'm going to just be doing a solo one here, just so that way we have something here on the feed for you. You know, you don't have to, that way you don't have to go a whole week without hearing my wonderful voice. So, uh, the thing I wanted to read today, uh, I figured, hey, you know what? Since this is going to be a mini sode, it's just going to be me. I figure, you know, I always like seeing the, t- you know, seeing what type of what the limits of what I can do with this podcast, like what type of material I can cover and what type of stories I can, you know, tell with it. And so I've come up with something that's kind of a neat conflagration of events where there's been a recent piece of drama on the Something Awful forums that normally I'm not someone who likes to talk about current drama on stuff like this, partially just because like when things are ongoing, you never really know, you know, you need, I feel like you need hindsight, you need time to really have perspective and really be able to see both the event as a whole and also how it tied into the world around it and like the events that were happening around it. When something is happening now, you're much more short-sighted, you're much more likely to spread misinformation and also it's much more easy to fall victim to misinformation yourself. So that's why I try to avoid doing it. Also just because there's like the same three or four goons that just like angrily reply whenever I do anything about current events and it's like I kind of don't want to let them win but at the same time it's just like uh I don't am I sure I want to deal with these people again so the answer it is today yes so what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you about this current piece of of drama and in it is a piece of fiction a piece of goon fiction that I can read that is actually very interesting because it comes from uh the world of goon role-playing and i don't mean role-playing as in like tabletop games i mean as in like discord role-playing so this is this is gonna be something very interesting i can kind of clue you in on as i talk about it and i wanted to talk about that because yeah that's a very interesting side of this world of the site it's a very interesting side of this site that i don't really have much experience in you know in, in general or this like i mean i'm a furry so i've role-played but not like this kind of role-playing where there's like the type of they describe it as LARPing, but like a live action role play, but like an online LARP where instead of being people in costumes doing this like at a hotel or a park, they do it over time on Discord where they're like having a server where they're always in character where they're always doing stuff. Events can take over like real time, so there's always like FOMO of like, oh, if I'm not on there, I might miss something or whatever. Yeah, so anyways, that's kind of what that is, just to sort of give background and. Something Awful's traditional gaming subforum. It's very interesting because they have it's a nice it's it's not just the stuff you'd expect. Like yeah, they do have things like, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, they have Warhammer, they have they have like board games, but also they have stuff like they have like choose your own adventures, like where people can do things where they're like they'll draw have like drawings, like a little comic, and at the end you can get choose what happens. Like if you're familiar with like Puzzle Sleuth was something kind of like that. Or they'll do things where they'll have They'll recruit people for these kind of LARPs like this. Like I remember, they're usually very kind of like interesting and and, and like unique. So sometimes they'll kind of drift out of there. Some people talking about it. like I remember there was one where it was like a bunch of guys doing one where it was like a um it was like a magical girl themed uh, tabletop game that they were playing over Discord. And of course the, the the jokes about it were were very homophobic, but at the same time it was kind of just a very in the context of something awful at the time, it was a very funny thing to just be talking about openly like that. But so because, as you might expect, this, these subforums attract a lot of drama, it was time for them to get a new mod. And what happened was, without consulting with anybody in the community, the people who run the site, the admins and Jeffrey, the owner, they announced just they announced that they were they, these are the new admins. And one of the new admins was a poster named Padima, who was from the traditional games subforum, where they had been an, an idiot king, is what they call it, where they're sort of like a, a sub-mod. We don't have as many powers, usually they're limited to just one thread, but they still have some powers, and they're usually sort of a community-appointed official. I mean, official is pretentious way of saying it, but yeah, they are community-appointed, so that they're a little bit, that's they kind of have that over the moderators and admins, who are usually people who are selected by other moderators and admins it's all very opaque and odd and this was another example of that where without without consulting with anybody they just announced hey these are the new admins and as soon as they did this in the new uh the new feedback subform uh sad something awful discussion 
Uh, I've, I've I've done an explanation of it before on an episode that actually didn't make it to air. That's a fun uh, fun peek behind the curtain. But basically, they used to have a subforum called QCS, Questions, Comments, Suggestions. Uh, it kind of sucked because basically people would make a thread about a problem, and then they would just never stop posting about that problem. So you'd have like these like 75-page threads of people whipping themselves up into frenzies and just like building these little echo chambers. And then, you know, so basically all it did, all it did was just like wind people up so nobody was satisfied. So they completely rehauled it. Now it's like a ticket system where things start off closed. The moderators can open it. Uh, they actually stuck with it, so the first couple weeks were tough, but now it's actually, like, functioning as intended. It is actually, like, pretty quiet and functional, and it's, like, they've been listening, they've been pretty good about listening to feedback, and also, like, knowing when to just not respond. Like, it's very funny, because Jeff, one thing I really appreciate about Jeffrey of Yaspos, the, the, the new owner of Something Awful, who we're a little over, like, two years into his reign, is that he is um is that like he's will he he can just not reply to people and it drives them nuts like like the people in in sad they can't they cannot stand the fact that they'll have make demands of him to reply or say that he has to explain something more and just like he'll just never he'll just not reply he's like he has other stuff to do he wants to talk about other things he doesn't have he doesn't know these people this and it destroys them it's fantastic it's delicious Mwah. so yeah that, that's always very good so uh after this disappointment came someone stepped forward and they said so Padima. Uh, I don't think that they should be in a position of authority because they used to run a. T- t- we I used to be in a in this LARP, this uh, this Discord LARP that they were in charge of, and they acted in ways that I felt w- didn't uh, don't speak well of leadership material. And I'm going and thankfully I'm going to say up front I'm not going to uh, I'm going to there's not I'm editing out all the problematic stuff and the material I'm going to be reading today, but there. Basically, this wasn't a bad thing. This wasn't like a sex pest thing. This wasn't like, you know, unless like, basically what it was, was it was this person was not giving people content warnings about triggering material because he was worried about spoilers. He he had this very kind of like, this, this, it was like fixing, like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil the ending because it needs to have that impact or whatever. And so that meant like a lot of people were upset because his, some of the plots they were doing involved that there's. One, um, there was some stuff that would happen where he had, like, a very juvenile sense of humor that would, like, rub people the wrong way. When people would complain about it, he would, like, either pull them aside and, like, behind closed doors basically tell them to, like, shut up and go along with it, you know, or leave or whatever. Just very kind of, just very, someone who is not good at managing a group of adults in a way that is trustworthy or good, even if there wasn't any actual intent, malicious intent or any sort of, you know, like I said, like no predatory behavior or anything. Just someone someone not doing a good job managing this. And one of the complaints, I think a sort of very interesting example of how Goon Telephone works is that like one of the complaints was that was that um he was like he wasn't allowing people to make changes in the backstories of their characters. It was a tabletop game where you are assigned a pre-made character and then you have to play that character and it's assigned to you by the person who runs it. The game system is called uh, Infinite Magic Glories or IMG for short. It is Okay, I'm going to tell you this up front. This is part of why I was immediately so entranced to this whole thing. So the premise is that this is a role play that takes place in the world of Riven. Yes, Riven, the PC game that is the sequel to Myst. That Riven. So it is a sequel to that, and it's done in the Infinite Magic Glories, which is a magical girl-based LARP system. So all the characters are, like, magical girls and stuff, or people with, like, these weird magic powers. And also, the thing is, like, I guess, like, the thing from Riven or whatever is that, like, the the ba- they quote-unquote bad guys in are what they call demiurges, where they're, like, people who have the ability to create worlds, kind of like how the, the people in the Mist and Riven can, like, create the book worlds or whatever. And so it's, like, about magical girls fighting against these demiurges. Just describing it like this, it's so dorky, and if it weren't for, like, the creepy stuff people talked about, like, later, you can see why I'm kind of into this already. This is kind of up my alley. I'll admit, this is a very self-indulgent episode, because, like I said, this ties into some stuff that's been actually going on in my life. So, if you're not digging this, by all means, feel free to tap out. It's cool. Well, I'm going to clearly mark that this and whatever future ones are as mini-sodes, so when you get back, you'll be able to, you know, once you'll get, you'll know when the real episodes start. 
Anyways, enough apologies, let's go forward. So in this game system, which again, th- just the fact that this all took place in in the sequel to Mist is especially with what we're going to talk about and everything later is so goddamn funny. Like like there's literally a character, like the girl from Card Captor Sakura is one of the characters in the boring stuff I'm not going to read at the end of this document because the the setting is just that weird and scattershot and it's going to make the stuff I read after this really funny because like I mentioned Okay, so this was a character background that a, that one of the players had an objection to because it involves you playing as like a as like a developmentally disabled young man who gets magical powers, and a part of it was about how like was I'm not going to tell it to you because I don't want to do anything triggering or upsetting, but basically I'm going to excise all that. But it was just like something that someone where it was like. Someone was like, I don't feel comfortable playing this aspect of my character. I, you know, I get that it's a part of your lore or whatever, but I don't want to do this. And they, their thing was like, no, you can't change this. That would, you know, it would compromise my storytelling, but also kind of like being like, no, if you do that, then I'll have to change a bunch of other stuff. And then other people might want changes and it's not fair. And basically just browbeating someone that's very basic, not obeying boundaries and consent in a role play, uh, situation which that might if you've never done this before you might this might sound silly to you but if you've ever read anything about this one of the things is that when people get very into these sort of games of make-believe especially when they're like very hardcore where there's no like out of character moments or like when people are in these very isolated environments like this that's when things get like bad that's that's when people get emotionally harmed that's when that's even when things don't turn into cults that's when things things get no, that's when things stop being healthy fun and start not being good for people. And this was something that kind of happened with this. So that was why this whole thing wound up becoming a sort of controversy. Thankfully, things worked out about it as perfectly as you could want. Uh, Padima just owned up to it. They didn't make any excuses or anything. They just said, yeah, these are, you know, I, I, I owned up to how this was handled. I, I apologize. So yeah, they owned up to it. They stepped down. They're getting help. Uh, you know, they, they, you know, they encourage pe- more people in, who they'd heard to come forward or whatever. A bunch of people were, got, got to talk about stuff that they hadn't, you know, gotten to talk about before. You had a lot of people were like, oh, I thought I was the only one. I didn't realize this had been other people involved. Or it was basically everyone just kind of healed and learned and the community did a great job policing itself. So great happy ending. The one kind of weird wrinkle is, is to early on in it when people are first talking about it and there's kind of a bit of uncertainty. Someone is saying that Padiba wrote the material that the per- that the people were upset about and then out of nowhere this other person who I'm not going to name them because they were perma banned for being a creep and I figure they I don't want to give them the attention or you know publicity or whatever kind of shows up and they're like you know actually uh, I'm the person who wrote this this these character backgrounds I'm the person who's running this thing Padima is just helping is to direct the you know things or whatever I basically just weirdly like everyone was like wow this stuff is very inappropriate and gross we hate it and they were like um actually it's my gross and inappropriate stuff so they kind of flamed out and then wound up getting perma banned and the reason why I'm saying this is because the, the background that was linked, the problematic background, I, I can't get the fiction parts. It's It's been like over a week since this happened, and I still kind of can't stop thinking about the fiction of this character that they invented. And I'll admit I have a very selfish reason for this. This is going to be my first time saying this on the pod, I think, and maybe in general. I don't, I've like quietly updated my Twitter bio and made some posts about it, but yeah, like, about a couple weeks before my 35th birthday, back in February, I realized that I'm autistic. And, you know, realizing that as an adult, and then also, like, right now I'm going through the waiting thing of trying to get into, like, somebody to, you know, diagnose me and stuff. And because I'm poor and everything. But, and so as um, as I'm waiting on, you know, more treatment, official diagnoses and treatment and stuff, I've been just kind of, you know, reexamining a lot of my life and recontextualizing it. And, I you know I knew this was right and good for me because like so much stuff clicked into place when I learned when I was kind of approached about a friend who you know had, had spent their life diagnosed on the autism spectrum and getting the support and such they needed being like oh, you're super autistic you know or whatever like they were like you've seriously never been basically just pulling me aside and just telling me very nicely you know like this is something you should look into and just them telling me that was kind of the push I needed to finally uh, like step past all the years of kind of programming and denial about that. But anyways, not to be depressing and weird about it, but it was been making me think about, you know, recontextualize a lot of my past and my life and the way that I, I, you know, how, basically be just kind of, you know, not, not depressed, but just kind of looking back on my life and being like, Oh, this has all been very unhealthy and not good for you. Especially now that I'm like much more 
properly socialized and everything. So this 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 bits the the story I'm that I that I'm kind of building up to hype this just to you know to tell you that the title is called The God and the Machine parentheses Nathan Park. And this is the backstory of a character named Nathan Park, who is uh, autistic. And it, a lot of people on Something Awful uh, complained about it because um, they complained about it because they said that it was like very, it was kind of offensive and how it was like a sort of stereotypical uh, autistic sort of villain or anti-hero character. How it, it does make... What I'll tell you up front is like, yeah, the person who writes this does this. There's a sort of common ba- thing that like bad autism writing does where they mistake, like, they think being, they like, mis- they tr- act like being autistic means that you're a sociopath. Like, they act like that, they act like having trouble expressing uh, emotions or understanding social cues means that you basically don't have any feelings or whatever and always just like, beep boop, what are these humans? Why do I not understand them? Beep boop. Like, no, you have emotions. Like, as someone who is like, I am very mercurial, people. Well, you know, you probably can tell just in my recordings how sometimes I'm very high energy and sometimes I'm much more subdued or distracted or, you know, like I said, I'm I'm someone who's very poor. I'm currently unmedicated or, you know, it's like I said, I'm on a wait list right now. So I'm working on stuff, doing my best. In the meantime, I'm glad I have this show and I'm glad you have have you guys and anyways because of that i like to follow my impulses just so they take me and like i said i've I've just been thinking about this little backstory of this character for you know over a week now so i figured why not i want to i want to read it again and i want to kind of do some commentary on it because there is some stuff about it that i don't like there's some stuff that i think is is pretty bad or or not good but there is also like stuff that uh, i'll explain why some of it i find very you know relatable to me as a person who is kind of coming to terms with their autism and how it's kind of, you know, affected the path of their life and, you know, sort of actually experiencing that for the first time kind of from outside that mindset. So here, just to kind of give you a feel. Also, this is kind of a, this character is very much like, kind of like, oh, woe is me. It's sort of like very tortured, like very sort of... Very emo, sort of tortured anime boy genius character. I'm already like, so you can tell this pose. Also, this whole thing is written in the second person, which is very, I'm not used to that. And having stuff just in the second person is so kind of creepy to me in a way that's not just like, it's like someone's telling you, like, no, this is, you're experiencing this whether you want to or not. Like, this is happening to you. So, anyways, this is the, I'm going to be doing some of my selected excerpts from uh, the the backstory of Nathan Park, the God in the Machine, from this uh, permaban poster on the Something Awful forums as part of their, again, I cannot stress this enough, sequel to Mist Riven universe roleplay set in a magical girl LARP system with this character, the God in the Machine, Nathan Park. Okay. Keep in mind, so with, with this, that's this now, now this is going to be the tone of this compared to that. All right. It is a ritual with you every night to summon up your capital C creation and to spend half an hour sitting quietly within it. You find this calming. There is nothing you cannot understand, nothing you cannot control. There is therein the machine, capital M. Every night you find yourself thinking the same thoughts. It does not take so much to make me happy. All I want is for things to make sense. All I want is for the world not to keep hurting me for being me. Does that make me such a bad person? And every night, the inescapable answer is the same. Yes. Yes, it does. So you can see right from the beginning, like, my sort of, like, you can see why, like, as someone who's been pretty depressed this past past week, like, only just now, like, the musty smells finally started to come out of my apartment. Like, I finally gotten it all dried out and everything, but... What a nightmare to deal with. Yeah, it, it oh, yeah, if you want to know what happened, it turns out that the uh, the hot water heater on, on the apartment above mine exploded and all that water was from that water pouring down onto my apartment and that's why it was like it was pouring out of like just these loose pipe fixtures and stuff. It was a nightmare. But thankfully they at least like got it fixed and took care of some other stuff and you know, it was just oh, so stressful. Anyways, probably going to cut this out or maybe not, who knows. Anyways, like I said, this is very experimental. I'm pushing the boundaries of what this podcast can be about. So to continue, so you can just see right now the the this idea of just, yeah, I want to be myself and people keep hating me for it and it pisses me off. Like, yeah, 
I relate to this character so much. What that's a great way to get me. That's a character type I'm always going to get behind because that is that is you know pretty close to my kind of guiding you know personality, I guess. So this is when things start to get a little clunky. <laughs> okay, uh, we have five uh, asterisks to break up a par the paragraph here. So, all right, you have autism, high functioning autism, as they say, or maybe Asperger's syndrome. Although neither of those things is a recognized diagnosis anymore. So I like that kind of like you know like what's the deal, Pluto? It's not even a planet anymore. Type of stuff about like. Asperger's and high functioning stuff or whatever, because like I'll tell you up front, like the people getting mad about not using those terms anymore, like it's actually very simple, and it's part of the reason why it kind of helped me understand it is like as they explain, like it's is how it's 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 basically it's kind of ableist to have these distinctions like this. It's like you're saying, well, I don't really have it, or I don't have it that bad. Like the, the point is, like there is no everyone has it. That the only difference is how much help you need for it. And that's once you kind of understand that, that's when it makes it a lot easier. You can be like, yeah, you know, in a lot of ways, I'm lucky to not have it as bad as some people and to not need as much help in some ways. But in other ways, yeah, I'm someone who needs help. I'm someone who has been struggling with this my entire life. and It's kind of gotten worse in recent years. And, you know, just having a name and an understanding of this in a way of framing it has been so good and helpful for me. So I guess in a way, this is kind of fun for me. This is one of my first times I can, as a person with... With autism, like, I know I have it. It's just at this point a question of talking, and, like, by every, like, professional diagnosis or understanding of it, as well as, like, my own, you know, my peers who have it. Like, all I need is just, it's just, at this point, it's just, hey, um, it's just a formality of getting the diagnosis. And it's America, so, you know, our healthcare system is, is profit-driven, and I don't have a lot of money. So, anyways, so I'm going to continue. This is when, this is when, like, the, the autism stuff kind of gets a little, uh, okay. This is not widely known, even among your personal acquaintances, and is not something to which you like to draw attention. When people have a conceptual pigeonhole in which to put you, they think they understand you and that they can predict you, which usually is not true. Fortunately, it is rare for anyone to figure out unless you specifically tell him. You have had many years of practice in which to learn how to act not autistic. <laughs> Most, mostly people just think that you are strange, like... Like, maybe with the, just how to act not autistic is very funny. Like, you could have just said how to act uh, neurotypical or whatever. Like, like it's it's just, if you're a writer, you, you need to know how words work. When you were a child, you gave your parents a great deal of trouble. If they had been embedded in a different culture, or if you had been the firstborn, then perhaps things would have been different and easier. They could have built a special life for you around your special needs. But as it was, you were the youngest of five, and your family was poor and rural. When you were unable to do what you were supposed to do, mother and father did not have the energy or the patience or the desire to put up with it. And I feel kind of called out there because, yeah, I'm the opposite of that. I'm the uh, I'm this is the oldest of five kids, so I think that's maybe part of the reason too. Is also because yeah, I remember I was born in 1988, so like this really was like a different generation ago. This was before you know autism as we knew it, it was like. Just the type of screening that we do. That was when people were just learning about ADHD. And even then, like, that was when the common pop culture op opinion was like, oh, you're giving your kids drugs and that's bad because, you know, that's not natural. You know, like, you've, we've all seen the, we've all seen the South Park episode. We've all seen the King of the Hill episode. They're very funny. But yeah, like, that's, that's not real. That's, it's, it's like, it's like saying that, pe it's like saying that people don't need glasses because you think too many people have glasses. Like, what percentage of people you think need help? But anyways, yeah, I felt cut out because since I was the first born, I think, yeah, my parents didn't really have an understanding of like how, how weird I was. Like, and also, I think also since I was the first one, they really didn't know what they were doing because they were, they had me really young. Like, they were, tw I mean, they were 22 when I was born. So, yeah, that always kind of freaks me out. The idea of thinking, like, wow, like, my parents like, 14 when my dad was my age. It's freaking weird. But anyways, so, yeah, so just, uh, again, this feels like I'm, I'm very personally called out of this. Where It's like this is being like, yeah, this is what things would be like if you weren't, if you weren't, quote, you know, you're quite lucky enough to be the first one. I get it. It sucks. Okay, yeah. Most of the time, you were unable to do what you were supposed to do. Your problems were typical ones for someone who is on the spectrum. You were obsessive about your few and narrow interests and unable to care even remotely about anything else. Changes to your routine sent you into screaming fits of anger and terror. 
You simply refused to deal with things that you did not like, and there were many things that you did not like. Blandishments and threats meant nothing to you. You would starve yourself for days rather than eating foods you found unappealing, or go limp and unmoving if you were taken to a place that you found distressing, requiring one of your parents to carry you somewhere. Above all, you did not consider the feelings of other people, and you never took the other person's desires or preferences into account. And up until that very last part, that did feel that was very relatable to me because that was that always makes me think of one one of my very kind of like important memories growing up when it kind of re- make me kind of realize like oh yeah well I really am different from other people even beyond like you know being a gifted kid at like a special gifted school or whatever where it was like basically I've always had a problem when I, you know even now it was like when I was a kid I I could not stop talking in class I was a motor mouth I would just comment and stuff all the time. Very obviously, I just did not have very good executive function or self-control. And, you know, I probably, I, I think now as an adult that I do have ADHD. In fact, that was one of the things that my autistic friend was talking about was the known comorbidity of those two and how a lot of times, especially people like me with anxiety who are diagnosed with anxiety, that diagnosis is sort of, a, you know, not maybe not a misdiagnosis, but also a comorbidity because when you are on the autism spectrum, you experience a lot of anxiety just as a result of like existing in the world and, you know, having to deal with things that make you uncomfortable. And especially as an undiagnosed autistic person, where you're not aware of this and you're just, you know, like experiencing this constant background radiation of stress and anxiety, of course, that can come across as you having an anxiety disorder rather than, oh, this, the, the cause of this might be an, an autism thing. So from what I understand, that's kind of a newer thing that kind of fits in with my background as well. So anyways... And also, I just want to say that's also why I'm very patient about people who are, are quote-unquote picky eaters. Like, I know online it's fashionable to hate people who are, but a lot of times, they are people on the spectrum, and it's it's a, it's a texture issue, and it's a, that is, like, a real thing. So, you know, again, just, you know, like, just in general, yeah. So I'm definitely feeling that stuff about when I was younger, but I, had, I couldn't really control myself a lot. My parents had this thing where they thought I was doing it for attention. They didn't seem to understand that I legitimately couldn't control myself, or that I, like, didn't want to do it but was just doing it anyways the thing that i wanted to tell you was so basically because i was someone who talked a lot i was someone who would get in trouble uh you know a lot i was someone where like basically the punishment i would always get when i was like in once i went to gifted school was it was like if you talk during class too much they would during recess you would lose your recess privilege and said you have to stand on the wall and it was like so that was my thing so it was like you know, during, and the, the idea was supposed to be, it was like, you'd be missing out on playing with your friends, you'd be missing out on running around and getting your physical activity, and you'd want to do that, so the next time you'd think about that and behave more. My thing is, I never really cared about either of those at that point, like, this is when I started, I had this thing where, like, what my up until, like, you know, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, I, I had, like, regular numbers of friends for a kid my age, and then it dropped off, like, super sharply, to the point where, like, by the time I was, like, in fourth grade, it was, like, I only had, like, you know, like, five or six friends fifth grade it was like two sixth grade basically done but it, you know it's just really sad to say it like that but anyways so they just kept doing that all the time and basically when i was in fourth grade i had this one teacher named mr o and he was really cool i'll never forget him because he was the first male teacher i ever had it was when i was in the fourth grade and it was he taught science and um he taught science no it doesn't matter the point is he was a science teacher and he was like super cool he was like a young guy with the like he had, like, a shaved head. He kind of, like, you know, he kind of had, like, a surfer guy mentality. You know, like, I remember him wearing a lot of, like, yeah, like, he wore, like, little, like, 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 those, like, brown, like, long shorts and, like, a t- like a t-shirt or whatever. And he was just, like, he had, like, fun nicknames for stuff. Like, or he'd call me Hotshot. He'd be like, hey, Hotshot, what's going on? Or whatever. Like, and not, like, in a mean way, but just don't be that. And, like, he had to read a book for us. Like, it was, like, during lunch, uh, like, before lunch. He had to read, like, a story time for us every day. So his thing is he read was Hatchet by Gary Paulson. And he got to explain, like, all the cool survival stuff to us. And just, like, anyways, I'm rambling here. So I'm just going to keep reading. Yeah. So, again, just, this stuff is all pretty relatable here. There's all this, like, weird side stuff about, like, I'm not, I'm going to skip it because it just sucks. But basically, so after that, mother and father, both capitalized, had a word for the way you were. The word was evil. They were not kind or understanding. But they were not wrong either. You were evil. Everyone has a point of view. Everyone can feel joy or pain. And everyone's well-being is important. Knowing that and acting on it is what goodness is. You ignored everyone's well-being but your own. You did not care about other people's joy or pain. 
You tormented your parents and siblings, forcing them to give in to you over and over at great cost to themselves, because ultimately they were less willing to harm you than you were to harm them. That is pretty much the essence of moral depravity right there. This is when it starts to miss me, because this is when it starts to kind of dip into this weird, like, what's the emotional version of torture porn? I know there's a word for this, like, um, misery porn. This is when it gets, like, this is when it gets a little, it gets a little overwrought. It gets just a tad melodramatic. This is when I'm, this is when I'm like, okay, now this is like, now this sucks. It's like, what if I was an asshole? (laughs) More of an asshole, I guess I should say, because, yeah. Uh, Anyway, so. Mm. And if, for reasons out of your control, it was particularly difficult for you to be good, if you had a hard time even getting to the point of comprehending that other people had points of view in the first place, if you found other people's preferences so arbitrary and meaningless that you could not hold them straight in your mind, well, that was not fair, but no one ever said life is fair. The requirements of goodness are clear and sensible. You had to work much harder than regular people to meet them, but morality does not come with a handicap. All this was explained to you, over and over, by various authority figures in your life. You resented it bitterly, but in the end you could not deny its validity. And so, eventually, you forced yourself to learn how to be good. You spent agonizing years figuring out how to follow and mimic the Byzantine social cues that normal people used. And in situations where your insights were not powerful enough to tell you what to do, you erred on the side of self-effacement and deference. You struggled to believe that the things other people cared about were important because other people cared about them, even if you yourself thought they were total gibberish. It was a brutal and miserable form of socialization. But it worked. Now, but going into this part, one thing I need to know about me is that, one, my father worked as a mechanic growing up for a while. Um, And two, is that I work, I've worked and, uh, you know, I've worked in the commercial automotive field for uh, for a couple years. Like I've I have a history in the industry, and you know, like I'm, that's where I'm working right now. So I have this is when this is when this kind of started to be like, wait, am I like feeling being like, oh wait, am I in, am I in a simulation or something? Like, where's the camera? This is why I was like, okay, this is getting a little close to home in a spooky way. But anyways, knowing that this is this next part here, so. One of the few real pleasures of your youth, the only one that involved any meaningful interaction with other people, was working on cars with father. He was a mechanic, and he cared about his job, and from the moment he introduced you to machinery, it was your favorite thing in the world. It was so reasonable. You could take a machine apart and see how each little piece functioned, and then reassemble it step by step until you you understood the whole thing in its totality. Machine craft felt right within your mind in exactly the way that most of the world did not. You were a genuinely valuable assistant to father by the time you were eight years old, and by twelve you had surpassed his skills. This made him happy, which made the whole thing even better than it would have been otherwise. When left to your own devices, you would happily spend hours and hours tinkering with engines and fuel injectors and so on. You also took up clockwork as a hobby and became skilled at assembling and disassembling mechanical watches. You know, there's like this whole weird aside about how like geniuses don't exist anymore. I don't want to read it, but there was like, but there was this one part I thought was very funny. It says, there was a brief period during your early high school years when your family thought that you would turn out to be a computer genius and make them all rich. This was not the case. (laughs) That was very funny to me because I feel like that is very much kind of like the like, the like edgy white boy, uh, edgy millennial white guy origin story is like being told growing up that like, Oh, basically, like, when computers were new and, like, the pop culture, like, mainstream conception of computers was, like, oh, anyone who knows how to use a computer is a genius or whatever is going to be rich. And your parents are, like, oh, wow, you you could play video games on this thing. I can't even figure out how to go to Google or whatever. You're going to become so rich off of it. And then you grow up and it turns out, like, no, you're not actually – you don't know how to program or anything. And being a computer janitor requires, like, actual, you know, certification and you don't know how to study or anything. So it's just, like – Yep, that's kind of why, that's where, you know, that's where a lot of that entitlement and resentment comes from of men of my generation, when, especially when they were younger. And I think also where to a certain extent, it makes you wonder if maybe, uh, I, I guess I have to assume that, that for Zoomers and stuff, yours was probably like apps or whatever. It was probably like your parents telling you you were going to be rich because like you you had a lot of views on TikTok or Vine or something. But I'm just speculating here. Anyways. So I just thought that was kind of a funny thing. That's definitely, 
almost every like something awful goon past and present has has that there's that and there's also like being a gifted kid who like who basically like wound up being super praised and hyped up is like how how smart you are and how successful you're going to be and then that getting to your head and then even if you do well in school and ultimately not amounting to much and you just kind of becoming like very bitter and cynical as a result of it and that was something which i was definitely very guilty of for a while and in a way it's one of the upsides of me my failed attempt at becoming a science teacher was in learning about the educational system I learned a lot more about how like the gifted program works and how like these tests work. It made me realize like, oh, all that stuff kind of isn't real. And like, oh, then like it made me realize like, yeah, I'll, I'll like, I don't want to go into this, but basically, I'm just gonna keep going. So anyway, so here we go. So so from before you could remember, you daydreamed about the world being different. Autistic people almost always do. You indulged vague fantasies of an existence that was less confusing and less painful, where people made sense and didn't press in on you. But after you became a gearhead, in quotes, your daydreams became much clearer and more compelling, because you had such a powerful concept in which to ground them. You imagined a machine world, capital M, capital W, where everything was made from mechanical parts, where every motion and every event was driven by the interaction of those parts. It would be a world where you could come to understand anything at all, no matter how big or subtle or complicated, just by looking closely at how the pieces fit together. Even the people would be made from clockwork and would behave like clockwork mechanisms with well-ordered and predictable behaviors. And if somehow a foreign contaminant entered the machine world, if something squidgy and messy and chaotic forced its way in, well, there would be systems to capture it and systems to break it down into its component substances and systems to reconstitute those substances into things that would be good to have around. It was a nice fantasy. You made the machine world into a mental refuge, and let yourself escape into it whenever the real world became too much to bear. That happened a lot. Um, I want to say for this, like, I don't know how true that thing is about autistic people having fantasy worlds or whatever, but I know I definitely do. So this part here is very funny to me, because, like, with his being kind of like machines or whatever, mine is very much like this is like such a dorky thing for me to say or whatever. Mine is definitely like uh, I don't know. I, I like to, I just think about pandas a lot. Like like both the like the animals and also like just like you know like my persona and stuff. Just like but yeah, that's kind of like my version of machine worlds. Just like whenever I'm super stressed out and I just need to escape from the world. It's just like I'm just like imagine I'm like in a bamboo grove with a bunch of little pandas around there. It's like <laughs> making their funny little noises. I'm just like. Yeah, I can't be I can't be too mad when I'm when I'm wrong, and th- th- that makes this very funny. Just I love this, just the idea of like this being like this 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 power is so tormenting me. You know, I mean, let's let's keep going so I can do my full my full commentary on it. Okay, so basically I'm gonna skip this whole part, but there's a whole thing about how he like moves out on his own, uh, and he gets to live on his own f- for the first time, and he's like has roommates. It's his first time having friends. Everything is cool. And I'm going to skip it, like I said, because there's, like, I'm going to skip some stuff in it. But anyway, so here we go. So we have another, like, little five asterisks here. Okay. Life is usually not as dramatic as literature. If you lived in a comic book or a television show, you would have awoken to your demiurge, demiurge. Okay, yeah, before I read this, I should probably explain what a demiurge is. Okay, so the demiurge is, like, one of those, like, super ancient concepts that has been, like, reused and reinterpreted so many times that it can it's very hard to basically in classical like ancient uh you know greek uh, philosophy and stuff the demiurge was the name of the creator of the universe basically the idea not like a christian god as we might know it but but the idea of like like a like a like a sculptor or like a watchmaker like the idea of a person who like a being who literally created the world that's the demiurge and then in gnosticism I gotta be honest, that's, it's not really my place to talk about Gnosticism, but I know that the Demiurge is a figure in that as well. But, um, in, in this, from what I understand, in the fiction of this game that they've created, a Demiurge is basically, you're basically like, uh, like an X-Men kind of, where it's just like, you have this ability to create, uh, worlds, uh, that you can, and that basically what happens with most people is when they do it because they are able to create like their own little pocket world, they basically just become like mad with self-absorption and power until eventually they're just like kind of like go rogue and like basically try and like 
release their world that they've created upon the real world to try and take it over or whatever. And how, like, the people in this that that you play as, like, the magical girls, their thing is that they fight these demiurges. So it's kind of, like, an excuse to have, like, all these weird-themed environments that you go into and all these, like, pot people you fight with, like theme with like gimmicks and stuff like it's a pretty it seems like a pretty interesting setup which again makes it being the, the 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 backdrop of this in some ways like kind of to me personally as as a as a new autistic person like kind of touching but also in other ways like kind of insulting and like irally it's just very funny again and this is all in the sequel to mist the game that that like you know where you start in the dock with the boat and you get you get the blue pages and the red pages that book that game this is so funny to me <laughs> okay so yeah so that's what so that's what a demiurge is in this basically and this character nathan park is um is one of them so life is usually not as dramatic as literature if you lived in a comic book or a television show you would have awoken to your demiurge magic after experiencing some hugely traumatic event but in actual fact it took place at the end of an ordinary crummy day, no more or less crummy than a hundred others. A customer at the garage, who thought you were talking too long to fix his brakes, yelled at you so much that the manager had to intervene. You left your debit card behind at the fast food restaurant where you had lunch, and had to go back to get it after work. You do not even remember the other things that went wrong, although you know that there were several. So when you got home, you flopped into bed and squeezed your eyes shut and thought very hard about how nice it would be to live in the machine world where forgotten objects could be seized by clamps and returned to you on conveyor belts, where horrible customers could be remade into useful robots. It took you some time to realize that the noise of pounding pistons wasn't just your imagination. You opened your eyes and there it was, all around you, filling your little room and going through one of the walls. The Machine World You stared at a little welding torch assembly and decided to take it apart in the interest of seeing exactly how all the little pieces fit together. Before your eyes, crane arms with clamps and bolt drivers swooped in on tracks and did exactly the work that you had contemplated doing. You imagined building a simple motor from the parts, and once again the machinery carried out your intentions perfectly, as though it were an extension of your will. You thought about how you would construct something far more complicated, something you could not possibly put together in the real world. An eight-legged spider mech for me to ride around in and the intricate design flowed like a river through your mind, through the busy, whirring, clanking construction systems, into solid existence. You hopped in the mech's cockpit, grabbed the control levers, and took a few hesitant steps. It worked perfectly. Like, yeah, I really love this paragraph that's, like, trying to grasp at profundity, and then it's like, yeah, I'm gonna use my new powers to make a f to make a f sick-ass spider mech. Wiki-wiki-wah! Wiki-wah! Wiki-wiki-wah! What is that? It's so good. <laughs> Which, make no mistake, if I ever found, my, found myself in the machine world with, like, Demiurge powers, I would probably want to, yeah, like, I gotta admit, a walking mech would be pretty, pretty, uh, or pretty soon on the, on the building stuff. That's very funny. Yeah, no, I gotta admit, like, my kind of fictional world I invented that I would imagine myself in was, this is very funny, but, like, the sort of personal mythology I invented for my persona, or at least, like, one version of it, was one where he was... He was, like, basically a an AI in a computer simulation world and who wasn't really aware of it and was just kind of, like, constantly being rebooted and tinkered with as part of, like, something. So that was kind of, like, in a weird way I found that idea kind of, like, both it was, as existen it was existentially terrifying, but also in a weird way I did kind of like the idea of just, like, oh, this thing sucks, so I'm just gonna, you can just tinker with that now, it's not a problem anymore. Or, oh, this 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 thing, or let's tweak this so that it's not as bad or whatever. I did, like, the, the idea of this sort of, like, mad scientist figure trying to, like, hopelessly optimize her virtual love interest to a degree where she will basically never be satisfied and is instead just like while time is passing and she's getting older and like more bitter about like her lack of success it's all a very complicated and weird world and it was and part of it was ex the funny thing is in part it was inspired by the beginning of kingdom hearts 2 because like yeah that's that's what happens when you're a teenager you get like these little things come together like that like kingdom hearts 2 came out like the, like a couple weeks before I finished high school, so that game has like a very nostalgic feel to me because it was like, yeah, it was the end of high school, it was the end of my teenage years. Like I was, you know, saying goodbye to all my high school friends and going out to be an adult and to an uncertain future. And 
you know, the beginning of that game where it is very much about like, yeah, it's the end, you know, it's the end of summer vacation. It's our last chance to kind of spend time together before things go back together. We never know where things are going to, you know, it has a very melancholy. And as much as, as much as people rightfully complain about how fucking long it is, especially on replays, but there's no opportunity to skip. Yeah, that's some bullshit. I will admit that. But, but as someone who is like basically right in the target audience, right in the pocket, as someone who was like a teenager who had like gotten a little older since the first game, but still had like a deep, uh, sort of a deep attachment to it as a teenager. Because, you know, when you're a teenager, you can do that. It was, it meant a lot. It was really cool. And that was why the idea kind of stuck with me. I just have always loved the virtual. So that was kind of my my version of Machine Realm. So I would kind of go into the little simulation world and just be like, kind of like, uh, you know, just kind of like imagining just kind of like the world kind of reshaping itself and stuff. That's my little autistic fantasy. I know it, this is going to be maybe a, it's a, this, this is a personal anecdote, but it's a good one, I think. So it's okay. It's, um. It was, I remember one my last relationship I was in, one of the reasons, one of the things that kind of made us, like, both kind of be like, oh, wow, we uh, kind of cl- we kind of really clicked was we were talking about a sort of shared fantasy we'd both have at various points growing up of, like, some sort of, uh, like, monster or, or creature coming along and rescuing us from, like, where we live. Like, the idea of, like, when our parents are being abusive or fighting or whatever, the idea that, like, some, some cool creature would come along and save us, or we could, like, go away and live somewhere else and just not have to worry about that anymore, and... In a way, Kingdom Hearts is kind of like that, too. Because that's one of the things I love about Kingdom Hearts is, like, Sora, Sora has parents, like, his mom. Uh, you never see her, but she has, like, two lines off screen at the very beginning of the game. And he never talks about them or thinks about them or looks back at all. He's just like, it's kind of, yeah, he's just like, he's like, fuck this. I'm gone. I'm going to go on adventures with my buddies, Donald and, and Goofy. <laughs> like, oh, that was so good. I, I always love when stuff does that. Mm. But yeah, that was kind of a shared thing. It was, you know, even though it's kind of a very sweet thing for me. So, yeah, now you now you know something about me that not a lot of people knew before now. And I guess it's kind of one of the, you know, I'm at the point now where you know you get me talking like this. Eventually, we have to start coming up with content. So, I'm hoping. I'm really hoping you're enjoying this, and I'm hoping that if you aren't, again, nobody's forcing you to listen to this. You can tap out at any time. I really don't want to have you hear you be angry at me about this because you know. It's okay for you to not like an episode. You can just stop again. This is that's the that's the downside of doing stuff that's different or experimenting. They're not all gonna land, but I don't know. Like I said, this would meant a lot to me, and I'm I'm gonna keep finishing up because things get a little weird with this. Even the stuff I am gonna read. So here we go. So this guy had built his his, his freaking sweet spider mech. Okay, thank you, Nathan Park. I am glad that you, the world's most creative suburban white dude. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, I have godlike machine powers. What can I? I can only make up stuff that would like fit in my trapper keeper doodles. Yeah, all right. Without really knowing how, flexing a mental muscle you didn't know you had, you tried to pull all the machinery out of the space around you and inside yourself. In an instant, your room was back to normal, as though nothing at all had happened. Then you spent an hour googling demiurge and following every link you could find. After an hour, you were sure that you were in fact a demiurge and you had learned virtually nothing else of substance. There was no real information on the topic to be found. Nobody except Demiurges knew anything about being a Demiurge, and Demiurges were not in the business of sharing their discoveries with the internet. As far as anyone could tell, they did not do much of anything except for trying to take over the world. I gotta say, the word Demiurge that many times that quickly in succession is very funny to me. Yeah, okay. For a split second, you thought about the prospect of becoming a, quote, conqueror demiurge, like that, sending your machine world out as far as you could, breaking down and assimilating everything in your path, trying to replace all of reality with one of your own creation. The idea made you feel queasy and horrible. Everyone has a point of view. Everyone's well-being is important. Other people would not want to be disassembled for parts or live amongst the machinery that you loved, and forcing it on them would be awful and wrong, like... Like, at this point, I'm just imagining this this kid is, like, Dexter from Dexter's Laboratory. Like, this is, like, the, the dark and edgy reboot of Dexter's Laboratory, where he was, like, using his machine god powers to, like, disassemble his classmates into robots. <laughs> I can't do a Dexter's voice, I'm sorry. <laughs> and so, yeah, I do like this, I do like this, the idea of, like, I mean, like, oh, well, being, like, Hmm, am I, am I gonna be, am I gonna be a world kind of destroyer or whatever? And I'd be like, no, wait, no, I can't do that, I'm not... I feel like that is definitely kind of like 
whenever you're going through like my me- whenever I'm like on my mental health journey, I feel like that's definitely been a thing. I'm like, wait, am I one of those people who? Oh wait, no, no, of course not. That's silly. Of course, be like, oh wait, no, that's dumb. <laughs> Just like that kind of thing. Like, oh wait, no, of course not. I have I have morals and feelings. Like it's very funny. Okay, yeah. You went on to consider the other traditional life path for demiurges, hermitude. It was more tempting. Certainly you had fantasized often enough about dwelling forever in the safe, sane embrace of the machine world. And the real world was not a very pleasant place for someone like you. Maybe it would be better just to close your creation around you like a cocoon. But that seemed like a cowardly surrender somehow. It was important to be good, to take other people into consideration, even if you didn't have to. Hiding away would not relieve you of your obligations, and besides, the world was not all bad, all the time. There were things that you would miss. It would make you sad if you never saw Okay, I'm not going to talk about those people. Okay, now I'm going to skip all this stuff. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, okay, basically, uh, I guess... Okay, I guess basically this was the this was the okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it now. I guess content warning. Uh, nope. This just involves like this involves sexuality. I guess that's about the best way I can describe. Okay, yeah. Basically, this involves uh this character uses his machine powers to make sex dolls. That's really the most succinct way I can put it. And uh, the reason why. The, the this person the player the person who's playing this character Nathan Park they objected to this these parts I'm skipping over where basically he has his machine powers he uses he uses them to make like sex dolls of like important women in his life and then they find out about it and reject him and then he's like thrust out into the world black, crying in black and white in the rain like 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 uh like Frankenstein's monster or whatever you know being like I'm a monster oh woe is me I do not belong in humanity or whatever and it's it's all very dumb and melodramatic and offensive to autistic people but like I said I, I'm not going to read all that because it sucks and it's again just very over the top uh just 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 misery porn that really sucks and like like the, i feel like there are funny ways to do something like that like again that idea of like re- machining it retreating into fantasy world like to sort of move beyond just my direct personal relationship to this like that idea of i feel like retreating into fantasy is a very popular you know idea to people these days like a lot of times it's like yeah the world sucks you know, things aren't, you know, people feel powerless, like they can't do anything better. So it's like, I just want to retreat into escape. I just want to, you know, have my video games. I just want to have my podcast. I just want to, you know, I just want to be entertained. And I want to just like, you know, just keep turning the volume up and hope that I, things are bleak and I get the desire to escape. I've, maybe that's one of the reasons why this played to me too. Cause I know in a lot of ways, that's kind of why, um, that's kind of what furry stuff was to me was, or, and still is in a ways, but anyway, so this guy is in like super super self pity mode because uh because it turns out like people don't like it when you make sex dolls out of them and again that was the thing that the player wanted to have removed because they're like I don't like this element of this character I don't like the I don't like I don't like the fact that you're making me play as someone who basically like sexually assaulted someone without meaning to and then also basically you want, you want me to play like uh, you, you want me to play Nathan the lovable the lovable rapist or whatever like I know that's not literally what it was but it's just I'm just using that for effect or whatever and then they're like no you can't because this is very important because it ties into the plot and other stuff and one of the reason why it turned out is because eventually later there's a part where they find out like that he had made like uh, a sex doll like another player character and that was like another thing that was very upsetting to that person especially after they'd already had to because now it was like now another person was disgusted at this thing and they had to like act like they were you know it was their idea and they were into it because another another reason why the dynamics of this got really abusive is because people weren't allowed to communicate out of out of character at all, which is like immediately like just again just, there's a lot of like stuff that is, is basically like whenever someone tells you don't talk to the, to everyone else about this or whatever that is your immediate red flag that you like, you should be telling everyone and like you know what I'll admit like I've even been guilty of that a few times myself because you don't think about it it's just kind of like that's why you need to think about these things and be more careful so. Sometimes your instinct might be like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to share this with people because I'm afraid it might, you know, you know, it might look unsympathetic or it might, you know, or it might make someone I know maybe not. But then you have to be like, wait, no, no, the important thing is that, I'm sorry, I'm just rambling. So, 
So anyways, so this is him in full self-pity mode about that. So he's like, it is hard to avoid hurting people if you do not understand them. It is especially hard if you have power. You have great power now, and you cannot understand other people. No matter how hard you try, you will make terrible mistakes. This has been demonstrated over and over. Maybe hiding away inside your creation was not such a bad idea after all. So I, I love the idea of just this guy being like, being, re- being rejected. Like, fine, I'll go off and build my own reality with blackjack and robo-hookers. <laughs> okay, yeah, so. For the next eight months, you tried to be a hermit. You fled to the middle of nowhere and let the machine world fill a small area and remain within the zone of your ontological control. You willed away the time in endless mechanical construction projects and in enjoying the company of your dolls. It was pleasant. It was easy. There were no troubles and no pressures. You could not sustain it. By the end, you felt so guilty and so miserable about yourself that you wanted to die. This was because of Pavlovian conditioning. <laughs> and then they have just all this armchair psychology about like how this this super this autistic person doesn't have feelings, but they've been Pavlovianly conditioned to like care to like feel bad if they aren't doing good things like genuinely this is pretty this is where it gets pretty insulting okay yeah so here you go this is like this so my creation is a wondrous thing and i love it with all my heart but it is not cannot be my world it is only a machine so you emerged haggard and weary and close to suicide and tried to figure out what you should do with yourself you could not bear to be alone you could but you could not live amongst other people without hurting them because you were so different that is like as clunky as that is. That that kind of yeah, that that gets to that gets to. I feel like that, especially for anyone who has any sort of like, you know, my sort, you know, my particular. Any, I feel like that's just a very universal impulse in general. But especially for someone like me who has like developmental, uh, dis- developmental disabilities that that in that cause them to have like emotional and social issues. Like that that part really, you know. You know, you can't, you know, you can't stand to be alone, but, you know, when you be, at the same time, whenever you live with other people, you just feel bad. It's, I get it. It's, I hate that something that is in some ways so clumsy and so bad is in other ways, like, grasping at profundity in a way that is actually resonating with me as both as a person and just as a human being and also as a person who has lived similar experiences. Like, again, just, this is, this. it's stuff like this that makes all my time doing my internet history so worthwhile because you know for every boring unfunny song parody i've had to scroll past i've had i've worn out my mouth just goons love those they are always they are never funny and they are always just quoted with like empty quotes for pages song parodies are so bad guys i'm so sorry i hate to be the one to have to tell you this but anyways so it's just stuff like this that actually connects with me and you know, sticks with me. In fact, at this point, like anything that makes you feel something is, is something I think precious these days. And this makes me feel something. A thought occurred to you. If I am sufficiently helpful to others, then perhaps the good I do will outweigh the, will outweigh the harm that I cause. And it will be overall beneficial to society to have me around. And I will not have to be ashamed. What is the most helpful thing that I could do? So it is with that that you've embarked on a heroic career. Taking your cues from the Shining Princesses and Mystic Knights, you blah, 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 blah. And this is, this is basically now that's like, so this is how you got to join all this magical girl Riven adventure in progress as a member of the good guys, where you're like one of the bad guys who retained good. And that last bit there, like, that was kind of my thought process for becoming, wanting to become a science teacher. Because, you know, and, you know, even in my late teens, I was like, look, I'm very obviously have some like stuff that's like majorly wrong with me. And I don't think I can have, like, a regular life. Like, I can't have, like, you know... So I need... I was, like, so obviously, instead of just, like, wasting my life, like, as a computer, you know, as a computer janitor making a bunch of money and just, like, buying video games or whatever, I was, like, I'll be a science teacher. That way I can at least, like, dedicate myself to something that will hopefully have some sort of benefit, you know, to the future and will take advantage of my skills in a meaningful way. And, you know, and then it turned out, oh, wait, no, I was actually much more uh, worse off than I thought I was to the point where I... I admit I just wasn't really a right fit for that job. And it, you know, it stinks. But anyways, that's what, that made me think of that. So I think that's probably, I'm sorry again about this. You know, I see I've been recording for over an hour now, so I'm going to have to go back and edit this. But yeah, I'm so happy there. It is very funny just seeing like after, after all that, there are like, uh, I didn't say like, yeah, like the idea was like, yeah, the, just the, this concept of 
demiurges as like characters as like sort of like the monsters of the week is a really good one like i feel like that has to be from something is that what that one magical girl show that everyone likes is about the one with like all the weird art style or whatever because i feel like this is like something i've seen represented and stuff and yeah that's cool and fun and interesting and especially this particular representation of it like the idea like just the idea of like having like your own little pocket world you could spirit yourself away to i feel like that is like one of the most powerful, like, empo- like empowering concepts in fiction. Like, you know, like, everyone wants to have, like, their bag of holding. Everyone wants to have Felix's magic cat bag. Uh, everyone wants to have, like, you know, the- like, having a magic inventory is, like, all you need, really, just to just completely rule at everything. It's great. And also the idea of it being this place you can go where it's, like, also, like, where you have, like, your little, like, toys that you've built. You have, like, your little cool gadgets and everything, like, it is like your little Dexter's lab, and also the, the way that you can kind of like, like both form it around you and like also retreat into it, and like you can take people into it. Like there are gameplay elements of it in this document as well. It's pretty interesting. I'm not gonna read them because they're just kind of boring fiction, but yeah. And that is just again like as someone who that's kind of been my relationship with fantasy as a person is it being kind of like you know a place to escape to when in times of stress or depression or like you know as a way of getting to experience things I might not get to experience in person, you know, just, I I relate so much to this. And again, I'm just going through all this stuff. Like, uh, like, no, there's like a, like they're talking about a character named thunder scream, uh, uh, more, more of the horrible doll stuff. I'm, just yeah, you you get what I'm saying. Now now that this is just collapsed into all the fantasy <laughs> at the end there's like a glossary of their relationship with other characters. I'm just gonna read you some of these names. <laughs> okay, so there's <laughs> The Oak Knight, the Dragon Knight, the Ivy Knight, the Whirlwind Knight, Princess Vellensburg, Prince Nakia, the Owl Knight. I'm pretty sure that's an actual video game, you guys. One that really sucks because it's just a game of people being mean to a character that just, like, puts up with it. And it's it sucks, yeah. Princess Mantalorn. Princess Bonaventure. The Wolf Knight. The Seafoam Knight. Princess Clow. That's literally just, that's just card capture Sakura. <laughs> the Serpent Knight. And the Fathomless Maw. That's me. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I'm glad I at least got some some a lot some fun out of the ending there because otherwise, yeah, like, yeah, I'm starting to regret this a little. Looking back in retrospect, if, if you're still listening, you must have gotten something out of this. But yeah, so yeah, this is this is typical. This is me bearing my soul to the world in a way that is both very boring and very impenetrable, and also like very insulting. So I kind of did the whole thing. I'm I'm sorry. I'm gonna go retreat into Panda World for the rest of the evening. I'm very 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 embarrassed about all of this right now. So thanks for listening, folks. This has been a very irregular episode of I'm from the Internet. Normally, this is where I talk about how it was co-created uh, and co-hosted by Jay Brandstetter and Winslow Domain. Our theme song is um, by Steve is Broke. Uh, our, it's usually produced and edited by Steve Brown, a.k.a. Killhamster, along with original music by him. But in this case, I'm doing all the producing and editing. This is a one-man show. So if uh, you basically, you should really appreciate the work that Steve puts into making us sound really good. Although I will say one thing I do like about mixing it myself is I get to, I get to, you know, put the bass up a little. So I like that I get to sound nice and bassy because normally they, they mix me a little more nasally. So I stand out a little more different from, from when low which i i support and is great but yeah it is kind of funny how i i that's not really how i sound i mean i guess that is how i sound in the show but anyways yeah also that's another another trick is like yeah it's like having different pitches and also like pitching it's our when we do it it's in stereo and we'll have one voice will be a little bit to the left and one will be a little bit to the right to help differentiate them that's a editing trick from the f plus podcast that they've talked about so yeah i'm definitely getting a little rambly so yeah i'm probably gonna probably gonna log off I do want to say, it is very funny. I've talked about this online before, but I, I, like I mentioned before, I have worked in the automotive industry and growing up. And like when I was a kid, my dad worked at like a good year. And I spent a lot of time sitting in the lobby, like, you know, drawing or playing with stuff and, yeah, you know, doing a lot of car stuff. Like basically the opening of Speed Racer, the, the 2008 movie, which is a masterpiece. Yeah. That was kind of like my childhood then. 
And then as – it's just funny because I'm not, like, into cars at all. Like, I can't tell the types apart. I don't care at all about racing. I don't like car games. But for some reason, just, like – I guess just that's the realities of growing up in America and the South. Like, one of the few industries that's kind of everywhere because of how our country's set up is, is cars. So if you want – if you have to have, like, a job, like, entry level, be like me because, like, you can know, your, your profession didn't work out or whatever, then it's like, yeah, it's like it's like uh, cars or, like, hospitals. Anyways, yeah, so so because I've been working with car stuff again, I've been dealing a lot with, like, dealing with parts. I've been in stores and everything, and it's kind of being all the way again. It's very funny because I have been thinking more about mechanical stuff. Like, I've been thinking a lot about mechs. Like, a fun little, uh, de- like, concept I've had for my persona for a long time is, like, a mech. Like, just, like, in, like, an alternate universe where, like, everyone has mechs or whatever. Because I, I just think as a storytelling thing, that's always mechs are just a very fun thing. Like giving having a, a person or a character, and then having a machine that is like very obviously like an extension of the a reflection of their personality, just both visually and how it acts, or in a way that is like very surprising or different that 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 like subverts that. Those are all just a very fun storytelling tool to have. I love that. And, I, you know, I'm not going to talk about that because, you guys, I've already read enough of someone else's big self-indulgent back, uh, character background fiction. You do not need me to start adding my own right now. But, yeah, anyways, it's just very funny. I have been thinking about those more. So, who knows? Maybe if if you guys never hear from me again, maybe I really did just vanish into the machine world one day. But, anyways, uh, anyway, so until next time, uh, thanks again. And uh, really looking forward to I've I've been working on some documents. I have some really fun stories you to look forward to we're gonna have some really interesting characters coming up i guess i can i'll give you a little hint um uh, one of them uh is involves water one of them involves fire one of them involves <laughs> okay one of them it's it's very funny I, I wish i could think of a full proper um God, Winslow movie's gonna be so disappointed in me. I can't do it. I can't even do a full alchemist uh, pyramid or a diamond of like the elements. Okay, yeah, they're, they're, I'm not joking though. One is gonna be about water. One is going to be about fire, and one is going to be about um. And one is going to be about Bugs Bunny. Yeah, that's how I'm gonna end that one. So those are my little hints for you. Uh, and also, until next time. I, I know I've said this a couple times, but seriously, if you like, if you're still listening by now, you, you're like, you're the real heads. You're the real sickos. That's why I know I can tell you this. Uh, we, I, because there is like a small number of goons that really obsessively hate me, even though I haven't meaningfully interacted with the forum in years at this point, the podcast kind of got, uh, got like downvoted it online, which, uh, which, you know, it sucks because this means that the show's never getting its chance to even find an audience because like a group of people are just mad at me, which, you know, for, for totally understandable reasons, I am not saying that they don't have, re- I'm just saying that this isn't about me, you know, this is, this is a, this is a meeting. What I'm saying is they have the right to do that. But if you're someone who has been listening to and enjoying the show, you know, again, consider giving us a good rating on your thing of choice. Uh, including like you know maybe a good review to go with it and also sharing it with people because that's how people find out about these things and i have been so delighted with how the numbers on this podcast have been and you know more than anything i've ever gotten by an order of magnitude and also, I one thing I like very much is our podcast Twitter is actually very big because there are a lot of podcasts that I that I listen to that are very popular that but their Twitter accounts are pretty small and they don't aren't very active. They're usually, it's like bots that announce when there's a new episode. Ours, we have like I think we we were like almost like so we're like around seven hundred people following us right now. That's like almost that's like almost as much as as me, which is you know not not which is you know not nearly as much as Winslow, but still just. That's that's for a podcast. That's pretty cool. The fact that there's actually like, interaction with it. People tag us on stuff. People message us. Like I really appreciate that about you guys. That's you know, it's a funny thing. It's a little thing, but that's kind of one of the things that makes this worth doing. Is you know, especially during times when I'm my emotion, my mental and emotional health maybe aren't in the most healthy or nice place. In a weird way, it's like a sense of responsibility. It's like, but anyways, thank you so much for listening. I love this. I love making this. I have so much to make you, and thanks for your patience.